Hey everyone, this is Gary Kay, and I'm bringing you a special retirement edition of my Rants and Rays video cast today. Um, I'm not retiring yet, but I definitely wish I were, <laughs> because I'll tell you, this industry, uh, this industry definitely can wear you out, but I definitely have a love of it, as do my two guests, Ron DeVoe and Elaine Jones. Both are retiring, believe it or not. Ron, I mean, look, look at, look at you and I, we look like we should be retired, but Elaine does not look like she should be retired yet. No offense. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, Elaine, I want to start with you. First off, a congratulation on your retirement. I've been a big admirer of you because you've written really good quality content, not a lot of fluff. Um, I don't like press releases. You've been, you've been in the communication side of our business for a long time, um, and you do a really good job concisely communicating using traditional PR rules, and I think that has made it where you have uh, built a reputation of really good quality work. Uh, and. And I want to congratulate you for your for your work in the industry. Where did you start? Like, how did you know you walk into when I came in Infocom in 1987, my first year, I walked in the show. It would have been easy to find you because there weren't very many women in the industry back then. How did you get into this industry? There there really weren't. I, I started in the broadcast industry and I uh, had a degree in communications, worked in news at a radio station for a number of years. In fact, that's where I met Russ Gentner. I've known Russ Gentner longer than anyone in the industry. Uh, we met in 1975 at a radio station. He was in engineering. I was in news. So I, I adopted my background in news to write press releases. When I went to work for Russ back in uh, 1982, I, of course, started writing uh, press releases for Gentner. And then when I started my own company in 1997, I continued to adopt that style. It's a, it's a standard old AP style, but I guess most people these days uh, – just don't uh, pay attention to the uh, the uh, five W's anymore. Yeah, well, you know, part of it is pulling out the superlatives, even though that's not necessarily a thing. But you know, the game-changing, world's best, brightest, longest—those <laughs> kind of words that really don't help anybody—and then putting it in perspective and context to how it's actually going to be used. Always doing your press releases was easier because. I could basically cut and paste most of it and just add a little color commentary to it. Um, let's go back to you. You met Russ Gettner. He's an engineer. Of course, he famously started Gettner, which is, um, you know, I, I think pioneered a lot of stuff in the uh, audio industry and then started Listen Technologies. Is that right after Gettner? That's correct. Yeah. When he left uh, Gettner, um, he waited, I don't know, maybe four or five months and started Listen. And he contacted me and asked if I was interested in joining him. And at that time, I had already started my uh, PR agency, and so I declined. But Russ and I have been terrific friends over the years. Yeah, and in fact, Ron, I think that's how your paths crossed with Elaine was kind of uh, competitively, right? I mean, you were you had a brand that was competitive to Gettner. Well, somewhat competitively, but then I knew Russ from uh, being on the board of governors at ICIA, so we would sit next to each other. So therefore there was strong knowledge about Gentner and what was going on with their company and who was who and so forth. Yeah. And by the way, for those of us, for those of you under the age of 50, we should say that ICIA is now known as, was was then called Infocom and now known as Avixa. Uh, ICA was the International Communications Industries Association, the original association name. 
which owned Infocom, then became Infocom, then became Avixa. Now, Ron, don't forget you had Nava in there before. I, that's before my time. Okay. <laughs> so what, Nava was National Audiovisual something? Association. Yeah, 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 yeah there you go. Um, and uh, so Ron, um, so your background, has it exclusively been as a manufacturer's rep firm or did you do something before that? Well, it's interesting that Elaine talks about broadcast because I was in both radio and TV and um, was not very good at either one of them. So I then Although you became... do have the voice for it. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I certainly have a, uh, a face for radio, too. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I did not enjoy the TV news part. And so one day I just quit. And um, then about three days later, learning that oh, I need a job. And there was a position open with 3M Company, uh, and they were looking for a audiovisual person. And they said, well, you're in broadcast. You know audiovisual. Well, sure I do. And so I did work with a, uh, uh, two dealerships uh, from 1975 up until 1983, when I then joined a rep firm, and in 1984 started my own rep firm. <clears throat> yeah, and that's, that's how you and I got to know each other. Um, I think our your first experience with me is somebody who supposedly hated rep firms uh, <laughs> and then went to work for a manufacturer um, who exclusively at that time used rep firms. But in reality, that was not what I actually said. <laughs> but uh, And we actually became friends after that. Uh, I think that we did. a lot of people assumed we'd be enemies, but uh, ultimately I think that's what started our friendship, right? Exactly. And well, the, you know, the respect grew with each other for quite some period of time and it's been a nice long friendship. Yeah. And um, so Ron, uh, I would say that Ron, um, your pioneering um, contribution to the industry has been to deliver um, a model for how to do a rep firm properly, because a lot of a lot of let's be honest, a lot of rep firms have come and gone because they've just been sales arms of manufacturers. In your case, you've basically set up and become a support sales and service arm in addition to an educational arm of all the brands that you've served. So you've kind of immersed yourself in their business model, which is quite a bit different than what traditionally rep firms have done in our industry. Well, it was self-serving. There was no question that it, <laughs> it became a success by doing the training. You got much closer with those that are going to be reselling your product. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously um, our first uh, meeting was at an AMX national sales meeting where I was introduced as the VP of sales and marketing. And not too many of the rep firms at the time were happy about that because they made an assumption that I didn't appreciate rep firms. But, but um, your background, you know, you you there's, I mean, you could name some brands that you know were unknown brands until you put them on the map um, as a, as a rep firm. I mean, I know a few of them right off the top of my head. AMX being one of them. I mean, you're you were the you were one of the top two or three uh, rep firms for AMX for for more than a dozen years. Yes, I was there from uh, 1984 till 2014. Uh, uh, so it's quite a run with them. I'm yeah. sorry, it was 2004. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yes, I, with uh, there were brands like uh, AMX, Chief. Uh, well, Chief had been around making slide projector controllers, but that was just a, a kind of a unique thing. Then uh, there's just more that have come up. It was interesting to you know start off with Tanberg when it was not recognized quite as well, and it grew mm -hmm. so well that it was taken over. So there's quite a few of them and through many years worked with a lot of great manufacturers. And, and Elaine, um, you know, you, you, having worked at a brand and then going off and doing your own uh, 
company, which is exactly what I did, obviously, having worked at uh, two brands and then started my own company, um, I was really nervous. I didn't know, you know, whether it was going to be successful. I didn't know really what I was doing. I knew how to do what I was going to do in the sense of marketing, but I didn't know how to run a business. What were the obstacles you ran into and, and did it, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I'm going to ask you the question. I think a lot of people would wonder in, in your position, did you being a female in our industry help or hurt you at that time? Did you find any barriers to that? Because you're definitely one of the, the, the pioneers for our industry. Interestingly, no, it really did not provide a barrier for me, but I think one of the advantages that I had was that I always concentrated on the technical side of things, and I made darn sure that I knew what I was talking about when I did something, created a press release, did a presentation at a trade show. I, I just made sure that I understood my subject material, and that carved out a niche that I, uh, I'm, it's actually kind of interesting because I'm having a hard time finding people to replace me for a few of my clients. <laughs> because they do require highly technical um, yeah. capability. Yeah, that's actually a good point because you can't fake it with the technology. You really have to learn the technology. Otherwise, people see through it and, and uh, you know, in even the writers in the industry, uh, quite a few of them are technical so they'll call you out on it if, if, if they think that you're not, uh, you know, not explaining something that, the way it should be explained. Um, when <clears throat> who was I, I hate to ask this question, but I'm curious if you're willing to answer it, Elaine. Who was your fa favorite client? Like what project kind of inspired you the most or maybe you and if you don't want to say favorite, maybe was one of those ones that sort of like got you excited to really work on it because it was different. Oh, well, in the AV industry, by far, there were, there were two. There was um, Aspie Digital, which was this little company in Atlanta, Georgia, that ended up getting acquired by Polycom. And the people who founded that have kind of turned around in the last several years and founded Audio Systems, which is yeah. another exciting company. And I've known uh, Craig Richardson and his team uh, for a very long time, since the late 1990s. The other one, and I'll just have to say, this is probably the most delightful client that I've got, is uh, Dan Dugan. It's, oh, yeah. just been, it's been so much fun working with him. And I, uh, I fell into that one because I had been asked by a magazine to write about the history of automatic mic mixers. And I interviewed Dan. And at the end of the interview, he said, you know, I've never had a publicist. Are you interested? And uh, so I started working with him. And I have to say that guy is a giant in the industry. It's just, yeah, he, he, just for those of you who don't know, he invented mic mixing, uh, the whole concept of it. And, uh, and he actually built the first mic mixers. And in fact, if you look on a bunch of different brands products, they've licensed his mic mixing technology over the years. And you'll see other brands, even competitive brands to him that are using his technology. I would agree with you. He is just a delight to talk to. He's also, um, um, he's also very serious, but at the same time, um, you know, he's uh, funny. I mean, he's got a kind of a dry sense of humor that at first you're not sure if he's being funny or if it's just him. And he, he's, he's just a really interesting guy. And he's famous. Like I, he might be the most famous person ever in our industry, really. If you went to Hollywood and talked about him, you know, they see him as a famous person. I think we underappreciate him. I would agree with you on that one, Elaine. 
tend to think so. Although uh, joining him at his booth at various trade shows, he doesn't have customers. He has groupies. <laughs> that's 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 very very true. Um, Ron, I'm going to guess that one of your probably, you know, I don't put words in your mouth, but I'm going to guess having two daughters myself, um, that one of your, your, your most favorite moments in the history of the industry has been to see your daughters get into this industry. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And Elaine, thanks for paving the way because it, it was difficult for women in there at the time that I started. And uh, my oldest daughter, Darcy, when she came to her first Infocom while she was in college at TCU, uh, went there and said, I love this industry. And it looks like there's a great opportunity for women because there aren't that many. And so having her in there and seeing her, the success that she's had, Dee Dee seeing the success that she's had. And of course, I have three daughters. Uh, so my middle daughter decided to uh, uh, go into education instead. But it's I have a great deal of pride in how they've succeeded in this industry and how well they're doing. Yeah, I mean, and and I'm going to ask you the same question. I mean, all the brands you've worked with over the years, has there been one that you thought was your favorite or one that just sort of excited you the most over the years? Uh, it, it would have to be a combination of things because through the AMX part, there was always a system integration part that you were right. doing. There were people that were the greatest people in the world from Van Sant. Electrons, you know, were just, you know, that not everybody went with them. Uh, the AMX people and the original uh, Scott Miller and Peter York were fun, as yeah. well as great people to work with. And so that, that made a huge difference. But then the products that would start coming out when you saw the first uh, with smart technology, when they came out and putting a uh, overhead projector, putting a panel on an overhead projector going up to a board, a whiteboard, and being able to work with that, now we're bringing the computer into everything yeah. and we're projecting it and we're utilizing it, we're interacting with it and then interacting with another computer somewhere else. So that was the thing that really, really got me excited. Of course, I was the great visionary uh, with uh, smart technology because it was a real problem to take around. You had to have a um, <clears throat> what they call the Doge computer. So you had to have yeah. a card based system there. And so you carried the computer around, you carried the overhead projector, you carried the uh, metal board with you. And then you would set this up and you do the demonstration and they, uh, I continued to do it. Uh, we're getting dealer interest, but their dealer buy-in was kind of steep. And so I resigned the line to say, I, I'm sorry, I just can't seem to get in with it. And it's uh, time consuming and uh, all that. Two weeks later, uh, one of the dealers down in Texas bought it, became the largest dealer in the nation. And um, the owners of smart technology at that time stopped me one time at an Infocom just said, is, is there another line you're getting ready to uh, <laughs> retire from? Or you, if you want to resign, because we'd like to buy stock in that company. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it is, I was going to say, it's funny. Uh, you say the smart because they were found, you know, the founder of smart is a woman, uh, another Good. woman who's a very mm -hmm. powerful woman in the industry, uh, Nancy Knowlton, who also started Nareva. Right. Um, so it's funny mm -hmm. that we kind of come around to talk about the women in the industry have made a big impact. And of course, her background is kind of interesting because her husband came up with the idea. She was a teacher at the time, went to a trade show and said, you know, this thing shouldn't be sold into companies, should be sold into schools. I could use this in my classroom. And it was her vision that moved it into the education space, which is mm -hmm. really what made it take off. Um, and uh, so I agree with you. I, I'm, I, I'm still hoping my daughters get in the industry, but, you know, 
there's a lot there's a lot more to do now than there was when when I first started in the industry. A lot more businesses, a lot more direction uh, that w that people can go. It's a great it's a great industry. It's a great career for any young woman. So I I, I strongly encourage them to look at the uh, AV industry. Yeah, I would agree with you. I'd agree with you. So, Elaine, um, you sent me an email before Infocom saying, hey, I uh, just want to let you know I'm retiring. Uh, and I was shocked that you were retiring because I kind of always felt like you were always going to be in the industry there. Uh, but you're going to retire. What are you going to do? Like, what is, what is your day going to well, be like? I have for a long time wanted to be a science communicator. And I, I love expressing scientific ideas to people. I despise pseudoscience with a passion, which is something that I have in common with Dan Dugan. He also hates it. Um, but uh, that's one thing I'm going to try. I'm going to be doing a fair amount of traveling with my husband. Um, we love road trips and we've got a couple plans for this summer already. So yeah, just a little, a little bit of relaxing, but uh, I'll be, I'll be back online doing whatever. And I, it's going to be hard to pull me away from this industry because I like it so much. So there's a good chance you're going to see me at some point in the future just to say hello. Yeah. I mean, uh, we couldn't get rid of, we couldn't get rid of Scott Miller. Could we Ron? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ron, I, I, you know, this is your second retirement officially because you actually, you and I had a conversation some 10 years ago, maybe, maybe not that long ago. Uh, maybe at least a half a dozen years ago, you were going to retire. Uh, and then you came back into the industry. Do you think you're going to be able to stay out this time or what do you think? Oh, yes. I'm going to, uh, the staying out, you know, there's sometimes there's that little light bulb that goes on and said, okay, um, maybe you're past your prime. And I don't mean to be modeling and morose about it whatsoever. It's just that suddenly you realize traveling is a little bit more difficult. Uh, keeping up with all these things, uh, the energy level and the enthusiasm might have waned. And you look in the mirror and say, yeah, you're past your prime. So uh, that was really kind of the decision to say that uh, um, what it's going to take to really keep things up on top. I don't think I have it anymore. So therefore, it was the right time to step down. And so I'm doing it. Well, both of your contributions have been amazing to the industry. It's funny, it, you know, everyone in our industry has contributed in some small way. But in your cases, both of your cases, it's been big ways. Um, Elaine, you in the consistency of communication, and I'm not surprised that you're going into uh, whether it's volunteer or what you're going to do with scientific communication. I, I'm not surprised there because I think your writing style is perfect for that. Um, you have the a unique ability, and I say this with all due respect, to dumb down really technical terms into ways that people can understand them. Maybe there's a better way of saying that, but you know, uh, making them where even you know an eighth grader can really understand it, I think is is a critical, is a, you know, a unique skill. Not everybody has that ability and you have that ability, Elaine. So thank you very much for all you did for the industry. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it, it's really been fun. And I just, I've just got a, a couple of quick comments. The industry has changed so much in the last 45 years. Uh, the first Infocom I went to, they still had film strip projectors. And now the prevalence of the video displays and other things, it's just, and the audio products are remarkable. And it's just been so much fun watching the advancements of the industry over this time. Exactly. And, and Ron, same to you. I mean, you know, you pioneered what it's like to be a, a, a properly 
uh, I mean, you could easily consult and help people set up a rep firm. And I think it's interesting. Our industry goes in cycles where manufacturers want to use rep firms and then go away and then they come back and go in. I think we're back on another round where, where rep firms have a lot of future potential uh, because I think a, a lot of manufacturers are divesting in education and things like so, uh, services that, that, uh, that a regional representative can do. Um, and I think that you're, you know, you're the first company outside of a manufacturer that I remember having a training facility. Like you literally built a training facility right. uh, on your own. That was, that was all, that was all funded by you. And it wasn't in a manufacturer site. Um, that was back in the nineties, uh, early nineties. I remember right. that. Um, so I think that you were a pioneer on, on, on those kinds of things. And I, I really commend you for, for not only what you've done, but also what, what you did by helping get your daughters in the industry. <laughs> Well, it's been a fun ride. It really has been. And thoroughly enjoyed it. Elaine, you're talking about uh, seeing the film strip projectors, watching their presentation technology, which I'll call it there. You know, when I was even in the early 80s and when I first uh, became a rep, one of my biggest lines was Aura Visual, who made um, easels and flip charts. Yeah. And it was a huge seller because that's still what primarily uh, business briefings were having and education. It still went. You had film strip projectors, you had record players, you had opaque projectors, uh, overhead projectors, all of that. And to see that movement from where that was in that period of time up to the transparent OLED to direct view LEDs, I mean, it's just phenomenal the growth. They're more now too. I've got I've got one really funny story. Um, Back in the 80s, I was doing a presentation at a teleconferencing show about the importance of audio in teleconferencing. And on the third slide, because I was using a slide projector, the bulb burned out. <laughs> and I was able to regroup. I said, case in point. And I did the rest of my presentation with no visuals. <laughs> but you could still do it because you could still talk. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do have, a, I do have one last question for both of you. I, I have one last question. So, Ron, in your history of the industry, tell me one product that was your favorite product. Like one product you would say, wow, this is an amazing product. Or, you know, over the years that you could say was the one product that sort of impacted you the most. It doesn't have to be a product you represented, but one that maybe you saw that you just were blown away by. You've mentioned some, but is there one that stands out? Um. I, I wish I could say, I can't think of any. Uh, I think it was just when I would see the power of the computer that started growing and then the ability to share that information, display that information, all of that, and the pro people that brought that in there. And right. uh, so it would be the projection technology that so vastly changed over a period mm -hmm. of time. And, you know, when I first started off looking at a Sony uh, 3.2 projector and I had a Thompson projector that we were trying to sell, all of those were pretty outstanding to be able to show and, okay, let's put this up. And they have EGA or when now we're going to BGA. I mean, right. those were the things that were kind of unique. Yeah, I mean, I remember those days because uh, I was at Extron at the time and we were providing the interfaces to do that. And Excellent. I remember you know, spending three hours setting up a projector so that it looked awesome at 90 ANSI lumens <laughs> and, and it would literally take three hours to set up. Now they come in little box like this Yeah, and you open this up and it's a projector that's 500 ANSI lumens 
that uh, takes you know eight seconds to set up. It's amazing. Exactly. Incredible. Uh, Elaine, what about you? Is there one product that you remember walking the show floor or seeing or representing uh, or writing about that you're like, this is a, this is amazing? Well, the the one I, I I'm an audio person rather than a video person, and to me the advances in acoustic echo and noise cancellation technology have made collaboration possible. And it's just been fun watching the different uh, manufacturers and uh, designers come up with those, uh, those technologies. Yeah, I, w I would agree with you 100%. Because as you said, you can do a, you can teach without, a, uh, without video, you can present without video, you can talk without you can do a talk without video, but you can't do it without audio. And they've exactly. really, you know, audio has been a science. It's been around for, you know, you could argue a hundred years or more. And yet all of a sudden the last five years, the technology for, for mic, everything from mic mixing to mic arrays, virtual mics, whatever you want to call them, just blows me away. Blows me away. Gary, yeah. there's a point that, that, you know, would be kind of interesting at this uh, reflection over the many years. It's the way we've changed doing business. Um, even in the uh, early uh, 84, when I started, um, we would get a call where you needed a person needed specifications and a um, written quote immediately. Well, this was before the fax machine. Yeah. You had to go down and get things put together and get it in a, uh, a FedEx thing to get it sent out. Sometimes even get it sent out on a plane so a person could go and pick it up because things were happening that way. Then you came in with the fax machine, which was a game changer. You could send out literature, be able to communicate things. Of course, we didn't have uh, uh, really, you didn't have email. You didn't have any way of really keeping up with things. The fact of getting literature and you'd have to pass out literature all the time, make certain your dealers had the most current literature and things like that. And so then you have the, the rise of, uh, remember where I first started and I had to stay in hotels and I was staying in wonderful Motel 6s uh, because, you know, the revenue was not as strong as we would like. So you'd stay in Motel 6 and I'd take a hot water heater thing and so i'd have my coffee in the morning with it with oatmeal and at night i could have soup and uh, you'd pay 75 cents more if you wanted black and white tv in there suddenly <laughs> started moving to la quinta and la quinta started having free phone call local phone calls and then put in a uh, uh, 56 switch in there so you could actually hook up your fax machine or do some little limited uh, email which it wasn't email, it was just a case of being able to uh, check messages and things like that. And so as yeah. you progressed, and then the cell phone coming in, oh my goodness, you know, all of those things, the way of doing business, and now we have this constant instant communication and capability right now, that's the game changer. Yeah, yeah. in a way, it, yeah, it's wonderful in one way, and in another way, it's not wonderful because it suddenly made you accessible for all the time. But uh, I do remember my first so-called laptop computer when I was working in marketing and sales. It was this box, a suitcase that weighed 20 pounds and had a screen <laughs> this big. Yes. And I remember lugging that thing through airports. And <laughs> I, I remember opening laptop on an airplane and everybody coming to look at it. <laughs> it was, and the funny thing, it was so old that it was, I mean, this is so long ago. This is, it was an NEC brand laptop and NEC doesn't even make laptops anymore. So uh, yeah, I, it's, it is, it is pretty, and y'all, and y'all are obviously been in the industry longer than me, but I do remember the day 
I, I will never forget the day the first LCD projector came in the shootout. As you know, Ron, I ran the projection shootout. Right. And everyone was using three gun projectors, as you called them, the CRT projectors. And all of a sudden, 3M had this blank spot in the uh, in the shootout, and they just didn't show up until the last day, last hour. And they came in with this big, huge box, flipped it on, and it was so bright that it blanked out everything around it. In other words, the image was so bright that the projectors next to it looked like they weren't even on um, because it was you know changing the 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 focal point of your eye uh, with the amount wow. of light output coming out of it, and that. That to me, that moment, that very moment, I feel like the industry changed. I felt like that was the moment the industry changed because we went from, you know, let's be honest, back then, Ron, you could sell those Thompson projectors for ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars profit, <laughs> and then act, soon after that, you you're now talking about fifteen hundred dollars profit. And now we're talking about a loss leader in some cases to bring other business. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But it but it grew the industry. I mean, like the one trade-off is it grew the industry. The industry went from, you know, uh, you know, when I started at Extron, this is again the late '80s. The industry might have been, you know, a two or three billion dollar industry, but now our industry is two or three hundred billion dollars. Um, and uh, who'd have thought? So th there's some good things about that. I'll, and it I'll, also I'll... saved the eyesight of lots of installers. <laughs> yeah, putting <laughs> all those squares together with the uh, uh, with the uh, CRT projectors with convergent patterns. Yeah, tired of looking at those. But I'll tell you, going from analog potentiometer convergence to digital convergence was also something we could talk about as well, because that was nice. You could stand up at the screen and do that uh, alignment. But in any case, um, look, Ron, congratulations. I hope you enjoy your retirement. I know you're in Colorado. I know you spent a lot of time in your home in Colorado. I know I, you, grew, you grew up in Texas. Obviously, you have that Texas accent. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you have one of those voices that's very recognized. Whenever I heard your voice on a trade show floor, I knew exactly who it was. And I'm going to miss seeing you at trade shows and other events. And I've also I'm going to miss your compliments. You've been like one of my biggest fans over the last couple of dozen years where you write me these random emails. Tell me how great of a job I'm doing. So I, re I really appreciate our friendship. And I hope that you feel the same for me because you you certainly really do the industry. And I'm going to miss uh, talking and, to you. And may that friendship will continue, Gary. I appreciate it. Always like to hear from you. So. I appreciate it. And, and Elaine, I, uh, congratulations on all that you've done. And again, as I said, thanks for what you did for the industry. Thanks for what you did for women in the industry. And also thanks for what you did uh, for the, the quality of writing uh, that uh, we, we certainly at Rave appreciate. Uh, Sarah, when I told Sarah, I know that she reached out to you as well, uh, my co-founder. When I told her that you were retiring, she was shocked as well. Um, and I know that she reached out and her words, and my words were the same, which is, you know, there are the quality writing that you output was me was measurably better than than most others, and we really appreciate the the uh, thank you very much. And I'm going I'm going to turn the compliment around, Gary, because you have been a leader in getting women involved in the industry. Just look at the Rave staff, and uh, as somebody who has been running a marketing and PR agency for a long time, what you're doing with the Rave agency is just fantastic. And well, I appreciate you know, that. I mean, I, I do it selfishly because I have two daughters. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but you know, when you have two daughters, I mean, Ron will tell you, you your perspective changes. You know, you start exactly. thinking about, uh, you know, what 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 kind of world you want them to have, and you realize that uh, things have to change. So, I'm glad that they did change. But like like Ron said, we couldn't have done it without someone like you, Elaine. So I appreciate it. And and thanks, Madeline, behind the scenes, who's putting all this together for us, who's editing this and making this happen. Uh, you know, our team is awesome. We do have a great team here at Rave and uh, everyone knows both of you. 
And uh, I appreciate you doing this Rants and Raves recording as sort of like a little retirement get together and uh, appreciate the ability to bring this to the rest of the industry and get a little insight. And of course, we'll I'll link both Ron and Elaine's uh, LinkedIn pro uh, profiles in the description of this because they both uh, will will look at their LinkedIn profiles. Um, and uh, I'm sure that they would field questions and and actually support, you know, mentor people. I, I know that both of them yeah. have mentored people. Um, so feel free to reach out to both of them. I know I speak for both of them when I say that. Elaine, I'm going to miss you, but uh, I'm going to give you a virtual hug. Can I do that? So, uh, Ron, <laughs> right high <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I will uh, hopefully see you guys, uh, you know, in the future. And uh, if you're at, at, at Infocom or an ISC or another show, please look for the Rave t-shirts and say hello. Certainly will. Thank you. We certainly will. And thanks and everyone for watching this. You, Ron. It's, uh, it, it's been a wild ride, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank y'all for uh, watching this special retirement edition of uh, Rants and Ray's videocast uh, with Ron DeVoe and Elaine Jones. And uh, everyone have a great day and thanks for watching.